0: I tell you what, he was so effortlessly charming.
1: And of course, when he approached you and handed you the card with his signature on it, you said, Matthew, I'm involved in a podcast where we review TV shows and we cover stranger things. Would you perhaps have the time to record an interview with us?
0: But just double check. They were using modern TV DNA
1: analysis. Not my Robin Hood hashtag. Michael Prade, obviously.
0: Ooh. And I can tell you categorically that it looks like, oh, no way. My goodness me, how do they come up with such things?
1: This podcast was recorded remotely and contains adult themes and language. Hello and welcome to TV DNA, The Watchlist. My name is Adam Hemming and I am delighted this evening to be spending some one-on-one time My good friend, Mr. Damien Cooper. Hello.
0: How very charming, Adam. Gosh, I feel wooed.
1: Well, it's kind of how I felt about Muppets Mayhem, because it just felt like spending good quality time with old friends.
0: Oh, that was so smooth. I think everyone was charmed by that.
1: (laughs) So yes, we're going to be talking about, on this episode, Muppets Mayhem, which came out this week, and also other stuff we've been watching, plus the shows that are coming to our TVs in the next seven days, and uh, some TV news. The next how many days? Uh, Seven days, Craig David. Yep. (laughs) What did you think of Muppets Mayhem,
0: then? Yeah, it was all right. I'll be honest, I don't think I'll watch any more of it. It was nice enough. I can imagine... You know, if you watch that with your Waynes, Adam, that will probably be an absolutely joyful, beautiful experience.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think that's the big question for me, is what age is this aimed at? And um, and the kids have... I tried to get them to watch some classic Muppets when Disney Plus released the whole of the back catalogue of the Muppet show. Uh, I tried to get them to watch some of that, and they were kind of into it, but not not massively. Some of the other Muppets the newer Muppet stuff they've watched and enjoyed. But this did feel like it skewed perhaps a little bit older in its comedy, certainly for my age kids.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. It did feel like maybe it was more for the parents than for the kids. It was a little bit of a nostalgia fest, but I guess the very nature of the programme is, is this band from way back... Right, there's there's a lot of nostalgia. The lead character's dad used to sing songs to them. The music is on vinyl. You know all these things that are very much not of this time.
1: And the sort of jokes about Crosby, Stills and Nash. <laughs> not many young people will necessarily get those references. I don't think
0: there was one about the Who as well. What was that? Something like someone did something. They built a wall. The Carpenters. The Who? No, the Carpenters. <laughs> That's stupid like that. I mean, I I did
1: really enjoy it. And I think it's partly because I was watching it and thinking that band finished off every episode of The Muppet Show, right? So you've had your half an hour of fun with all of The Muppets and then it comes to an end and you get this final glorious closing sequence with the band playing. So it always, you know, uh, there's definitely an affectionate place in my heart for, for The Electric Mayhem.
0: I think also they introduced us to a new style of governance, a new political process and thoughts, a philosophy, if you will, that I had no idea existed, which was the (laughs) rocktocracy. For those who are yet to watch it, the premise of the opening episode is that this band owe an album to a failing music label. So we have our our lead who tries to get the band to record the album, and I realised why it's been impossible to get those guys to record an album because all they do is sing covers. <laughs>
1: I enjoyed the the opening episode. I did watch the second episode to this as well, which is really about the relationship between the young girl who's sort of taking them on. She's rediscovered them, and her her job is basically on the line if this label folds. So she is the one who's driving them forward to make their band. And I think she's really she's really good and watchable, and has good Muppet interaction. She's quite full on, which is probably what they need in order to do anything constructive. As a group, I think the one thing that's probably quite problematic is Animal. I mean, he starts off by staring at her and just repeating her name, which all just felt a little bit wrong. In the second episode, he he basically love bombs her with all of these gifts. You know, we talked about this in Ted Lasso, how controlling a nature that is to just keep buying someone gifts in order to, to gain their love.
0: Yeah, but I mean, let's be honest, was Animal ever going to be anything other than problematic?
1: <laughs> no, it is his very nature. Absolutely.
0: I mean, there's no thinking, right? It's instinct is in that moment. What does he want? That's all he cares about. So in many ways, he's much like Roman. You know, we talk about our succession pods. No doubt Neil will come for me for that. He's not too dissimilar from Roman.
1: No, not at all. The second episode I felt it was a bit more comfortable in its own skin and it kind of had the whole moral dilemma that gets resolved by the end of the episode. I think I'm gonna continue watching Muppets Mayhem because I think I will I will enjoy it for the Muppetiness of it all. It wasn't quite hitting the nail on the head for me as a show overall. And I think if you're a big fan of the Muppets, then you will definitely find something enjoyable in here my confusion is probably around who this is aimed at
0: yeah do you think this might be one of your safe spaces when you want to just have something nice
1: yeah absolutely if I've watched something dark and gritty and there are some dark and gritty shows coming up this would be (laughs) as as Grace Chapman might say a a lovely palate cleanser (laughs) um so what else have you been watching
0: Well, goodness me, what haven't I been watching more like? No, I've watched a bit, obviously. This weekend was Eurovision, which is absolutely massive. I have been crazy on Eurovision for as long as I can remember. And it was in the UK, in one of my favourite cities in the UK, Liverpool. Hannah Waddingham, of course, of Ted Lasso fame. Alicia Dixon of Mystique fame and all the other various things that she's done. I thought it was a really good show. I watched it all. I never expected us to win. I do, however, have quite intense feelings about how Italy was robbed.
1: Right. I was going to say, what's the winner, a deserving one? And obviously not.
0: Not for me, no. I didn't like it. Um, Euphoria, which is what she won with a few years ago. Fair enough. Banger of a tune, there's no doubt. But this one, just boring, man. There was real passion in Italy's song, I think. It felt like... A proper, proper, proper song. But yeah, it is what it is.
1: I didn't get to watch it because we were having a party to celebrate my good wife's significant birthday. She turned 30 for the 10th year running, which was
0: lovely. Can can I apologise? I was very graciously offered an invite. I did kids' birthday party and I left that at about 6pm and I was exhausted. So obviously I was overjoyed to have received an invite from Lady Catherine of hitching. However, couldn't make it and it's definitely my bad that I didn't confirm my lack of attendance.
1: No worries at all. I didn't follow up her uh, invite with any any other information. So, <laughs> and probably if you finished at six, it would have largely been over by then, but we were too exhausted to watch Eurovision. I guess my other question was how How did our beloved Anna Waddingham do
0: in the show? She was great. She, she's what you would expect her to be. Just fabulous, fantastic, Full of energy, but also able to to hold it together. There was a when they were getting the scores in. It was her and Gray and Norton, and they seemed to be having an absolute whale of a time. There were a few people offering their their hand in marriage to her from the various countries as they gave their points. But yeah, they were having a great
1: time. How did she get on with the Dutch people? <laughs>
0: I can't remember. That's a very good question, though. I don't think they mentioned Gazalig.
1: <laughs> I'm referring to Ted Lasso, obviously, and we will be talking about Ted Lasso later on this week when we do our special on that. We've discussed Hannah Waddingham's role in that show as Rebecca. I thought the most recent episode was was her best one yet for storyline in that show.
0: Still yet to see it. I double bill it. For our recordings, I double bill it.
1: Mild spoiler, then, for <laughs> Ted Lasso you've not yet watched, but yeah. <laughs> I hope I think you'll enjoy the Rebecca moments in that latest episode.
0: Amazing. I will be watching it tomorrow or Wednesday.
1: Cool. Anything else you've been watching?
0: Yeah, the same old. So still watching the power, still finding some storylines not that appealing, still loving the others. So we'll see. Some of the stuff has happened and so one of the storylines I really like has kind of changed and move to somewhere else, to a storyline that I don't like. They've kind of become amalgamated, so that will be interesting. I'm just still not bothered about Tony Colette's family. I'm bored by them. The, the story's not interesting anymore. Even something though something huge happens in the episode, I thought,
1: oh. So have you watched the episode that came out Friday? Yeah. I'm behind, so I haven't seen that one yet. I think that was the penultimate episode. I think there's one more to go after that, isn't there?
0: Possibly it feels like they're they're lining everything up for a really interesting cliffhanger for the end of season one. It seems like they're just getting everyone in place for the end of the series so that shit can really go down for season two.
1: Yeah, because of the weekend shenanigans, I'm behind on the parent. And also I haven't got to Citadel yet either. So I've got no ski boots update to give you.
0: Oh, what a shame. (laughs) I've also carried on with Silo and really, really enjoying where that's going. It's not quite got me fully hooked, I have to say, but it it just seems to be pregnant with promise, shall we say.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed the third episode. I agree. I think it's a slow burner at the moment. We're still kind of world-building in these first three episodes and learning more about each of the different characters. This one, yeah, had a really nice reveal about the relationship between the mayor and the deputy sheriff, and... And I thought that storyline was really good and well handled. Yeah, I I think it's dynamic and exciting and it's uh, intriguing as we keep ploughing through it. I'm very much enjoying Silo.
0: Definitely. Last night I watched on Amazon Prime. I didn't realise that it was on this. I thought it was just at the cinema. Air, the film about Michael Jordan signing tonight, which directed by Ben Affleck, I think, but starring a whole host of amazing actors. So Ben's in there. Matt Damon, Chris Tucker probably one of the best performances in the whole film is Viola Davis as Michael Jordan's mum and she is brilliant. It's not a short film by any stretch but I do think it's a good film and I I would highly recommend people watch it. Available on Amazon Prime, probably in every territory that has Amazon Prime, you probably can access it.
1: Cool, I have been ignoring films for a some time now and and probably should pick some back up. So that's a good recommendation. I will check that out, definitely. I've heard good things about it from others. So yeah, nice.
0: And the other thing that I've got on my list is something that I've seen, but it is not on the screen. It is on the stage. So I saw To Kill a Mockingbird at the Gilgood Theatre in London. I think it's the last week now. Uh, a very good friend of mine, Helen Belbin, was in it, but it stars none other then Matthew Modine, who fans of Stranger Things and various other things that he's been in will find interesting. I'm hoping that they've recorded it and there'll be like an NT Live equivalent for people to enjoy. I went to wait for my friend afterwards at Stage Door and there was a, a young girl who obviously loved Stranger Things and was there to meet and me. brought, she brought him flowers and he was like, I love Stranger Things and was like quite teary. And I tell you what, he was so effortlessly charming. He took so much time talking to her. He was so interested. Basically, there's loads of people just hanging around for a photo with him. And Raluca and I were there, obviously waiting for my mate. And so these people are like, can I have a picture? Can I have a picture? And he's like, of course. And he's like, oh, here's he autographed these flyers, I think. That he was giving out to people And so I was like I don't really want to look at him He's doing his thing I get it It's cool And he came over to us And because immediately We didn't go Oh my god Can we have a picture we just like Oh thank you It's a good show He came up And said Hey would you like one of these that I'd signed them During the interval And so we got these cards With his signature And a lot of people The way that was done Would be so egotistical So cringe but that wasn't it at all. He was just so delightful. And he was brilliant as Atticus Finch. Uh, and it's a shame that it's near the end of the run, because I would recommend, if there's any way of seeing that, do it. It's brilliant.
1: He it sounds like he's a class act.
0: Absolutely.
1: And, of course, when he approached you and handed you the card with a signature on it, you said, uh, Matthew. I'm involved in a podcast where we review TV shows and we cover Stranger Things. I know, I know, spoiler here, major spoiler, you're no longer in the show, but would you perhaps have the time to record
0: an interview with us? I mean, obviously, I was going to do that, um, but Derek Jacoby was knocking about and he completely pulled him away from whoever was left. To have a very, very darling theatre, lovely chat, but obviously, otherwise, me and Matty M would have been, uh, would have been chatting away like a couple of old gal pals.
1: Excellent. I am. I'm delighted you had that little brush with celebs, TV acting legends, shall we say?
0: Absolutely. Green. Screen
1: acting, not really. T- I mean, you know, the guy's done all sorts, hasn't
0: he? Yep. <laughs> so, Adam, to move on swiftly, what have you been watching, mate? Oh, well, I have also been
1: watching quite a lot of stuff. I want to quickly talk about Barry, because the most recent episode of Barry was phenomenal. And for a show that pushes boundaries, again, I've talked about this before so many times, to just switch your expectations completely and do something utterly disarming i think is really brave but also was just so so well done it's lean forward tv you just got to pay attention to what's going on really really good can't recommend barry enough if you haven't picked it up yet i highly highly recommend doing it before they take it off now tv again yeah really good i also finished black ops which we talked about i think last week six episodes all on bbc iplayer Uh, There's one episode which has Lucian Musumati, speaking of NT at home, I last saw him in Amadeus during lockdown uh, at the National Theatre. And so to see him in this little BBC sitcom, it was just amazing. And he was superb in it. But the show, I think the show just got better and better as it went on. It's tons of fun. The relationship between the two lead characters is brilliant, how that all just develops and the way that they bounce off each other it has an intrigue and a gripping element to the story as it goes through it and that the antics just sort of amp up just the right level black ops is definitely a recommendation from me really enjoyed that show another one i really enjoyed was the nurse the the finna i think i'd watched three of the four episodes when we last recorded that final episode was so tense and gripping I think I barely breathed during <laughs> however long it was, hour, 45 minutes, hour long of that episode. It left me wanting to know more. I had questions at the end of it, and I felt like I wanted to dig deeper into some of the characters' psyches, but I really enjoyed it. Would definitely recommend The Nurse. It's only four episodes uh, based on a true story of a, a new nurse discovering that, that one of her colleagues is killing patients is the sort of storyline for that. Uh, that's on the Netflix, and um, it's definitely a recommendation. And then the other show, two more shows i finished, The Diplomat, which you, I think you finished as well. Yeah. yeah it was. It was We've talked about this before. It was great, really, really good. I, definitely a what-the-fuck ending to the first season, and uh, it's good that there is a second season confirmed because the old Netflix algorithm doesn't always allow for that. I thought it was really, really strong. And again, another recommendation from me. And then the fourth one I've finished is Sweet Tooth, which is another Netflix show. This is the fantasy YA show with the animal-children hybrids. Episode six of eight really floored me. I think the show definitely has some flaws, but it more than makes up for those. Overall, it's a really, really enjoyable watch. It's gently philosophical in the same way that the big door prize which i'm also watching on apple tv i haven't mentioned in a while but and i i quite enjoy how that comes through the storytelling they don't beat you over the head with it it's there and you absorb it as you go the first six episodes are centered around a zoo and at the culmination of that section like none of the characters are the same afterwards it's similar in a way to the way the walking dead sort of finished the prison sequence and yeah, and the final two episodes were really great, full of action, gave us resolution whilst nicely setting up the final season of Sweet Tooth, which has been confirmed. So season three will be the end of Sweet Tooth. I will definitely be watching that. I've watched some good stuff. Definitely all shows that I would recommend. Barry Black Ops, The Nurse, Sweet Tooth and The Diplomat. Kind of unreservedly, I think if they're your sort of show, you will really, really enjoy them. And if they're not, give them a try, because I think you might find you enjoy a different genre a little bit more.
0: Yeah, as, as I said before, I think The Diplomat is just a really good series. And I think the moments that it only stops being a really good series is when it strays into rom-com territory, which doesn't happen very often, because it's really tricky. But that idea of this portrayal of what, london is like usually in american shows which does not bear any resemblance to real london or at least anyone who leaves the bubble of hensington and chelsea will not be able to recognize that london at all definitely give the diplomat a go
1: yeah it's, it's got a glitzy edge to it right and i think it's trying to appeal to a couple of different demographics well i think it pulls it off Whereas, you know, we talked about Muppets Mayhem not really knowing who it's for, I think the diplomat quite successfully navigates a couple of different things. And is it Kerry Russell? Is that her name, of the lead actress? Yeah. Yeah, I think Kerry Russell is is a really engaging lead that you could buy into with that show. Yeah,
0: so she famously was in the Americans where she played a Russian spy living the life of a of a normal American, quote unquote normal American. And it's all quite serious. I think she plays the comedy really well. And it's just a very interesting character about how unrefined she is, how much she likes to just get shit done rather than faff about and talk. It's compelling.
1: I watched the first, I think I watched about three or four episodes of The Americans during the old lockdown. Didn't quite get into it enough for me to keep going. But it is something I've always meant to go back to. And I've heard that it gets better as it goes along.
0: Yeah I watched the I definitely got into the second series I don't know how much further I got than that because yeah I could see it was a good show but it wasn't actually a very easy watch
1: that is what I found I think but sometimes those shows really pay off I think for all mankind on apple tv is one of those where it's sometimes quite a slow watch but when it gets it right it, the payoff is satisfying couple of other quick things, though, that I've been watching. I watched the first episode of a couple of new shows that we talked about last week, so City on Fire on Apple TV. Corrections from the Future just popping in here to say that I do actually give a little spoiler away for City on Fire shortly. Um, I also got it completely wrong having watched the second episode, um, which is even more of a spoiler. So if you are going to watch City on Fire and you want to avoid me getting something wrong and potentially spoiling that show and skip forward about 30 seconds. It's hard to explain what it's about. There's lots of different tangentially linked stories that are all quite interesting in themselves, but centre around this main character, this young girl and the fires that are being created around the city that are kind of linked to her. And it's not a spoiler because it's in the blurb, but she ultimately is killed at the end of the first episode and i imagine a good part of the rest of it will be unraveling all of that stuff but i really enjoyed this thought the performances were all really really good i will definitely keep watching city on fire i think there are three episodes have been released in the first week by apple tv and it will be coming out weekly on fridays i believe and the other one i watched the first episode of was 10 pound poms She's on the BBC iPlayer. This one has all been released on iPlayer. You can catch all six episodes. And I thought this was a a decent period piece. It's covering that story of Brits who were offered the opportunity to go to Australia for just £10 and to start a new life over there. And uh, Warren Brown's Terry is suffering from a bit of PTSD post-war, drinking a lot. So they decide to go to Australia to deal with the fact that he's drinking too much and then he naturally meets a construction crew, and the only way for him to fit in as a pawn in Australia is to go down the pub.
0: Oh, mate.
1: There's a good, intriguing storyline involving Michelle Keegan's character, and Faye Marseille, I think, is a really good, strong performance in this as well. Yeah, it feels like it's been heightened a little bit to give the sort of drama to all the different characters within the story, but it feels like that's done in quite a... Natural and authentic way. So it's certainly not terrible, enjoyable watch, but I think I need to watch maybe one or two more to like fully recommend it as a show. But yeah, 10 pound poms, decent so far.
0: I love that. That's a review. Certainly not terrible.
1: (laughs) Put that on your poster. Right. Should we cover what's coming soon?
0: Might as well, eh?
1: Yeah, let's do this. So have you got the briefing notes?
0: Always, darling, always.
1: Okay, so, I haven't, I have now. We have got, today at the time of recording, 15th of May on the BBC One, is Steel Town Murders, starring Philip Glenister and Keith Allen. I'm not sure how much of a role Keith Allen plays, but he's in the cast. Uh, It's set in two time periods, in 1973 and the early 2000s, and it follows the hunt for a killer in the Port Talbot area of Wales, and how, in the first case of its kind, the mystery was solved nearly 30 years after the crime using modern DNA analysis. So, a little bit of the unforgotten in here, if you like, but yeah, true crime drama.
0: But just double-check, they were using modern TV DNA analysis. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yes, by comparing the mystery to other TV shows that had happened in the past. To be fair, this feels like... Not necessarily something new, right? It may be something we might have seen on our TVs before.
0: <laughs> I mean, I look at that cast and I think, "Wow, I really like Philip Glenister."
1: <laughs> Not so much of the Keith Allen fan. I, again, oh I, don't know, I don't know how much of a big role he plays in the show.
0: Hopefully, nothing. Did you ever watch that Robin Hood show in the? Uh, is it the mid two thousands? With uh, oh god, what was who was he? It was a BBC drama and it was really good. But Keith Allen, for some reason, was the sheriff of Nottingham and he was just terrible.
1: Yeah, it wasn't a show that I, I didn't watch. That wasn't my Robin Hood. Not my Robin Hood, hashtag. Michael Prade, obviously.
0: Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For my time. Rubbish. What's next? The Last King of the Cross, a limited series coming to Sky Max which will come on the 18th of May, 9pm, and is inspired by a best-selling book. And this Australian drama follows John Ibrahim's rise from a poverty-stricken immigrant with no education, no money, and no prospects, to Australia's most infamous nightclub mogul. It stars Lincoln Younes, Tim Roth, and Callan Mulvaney, who is Drezic from Heartbreak High. Drop on your head, (laughs) Drezic.
1: Are you a Heartbreak High fan?
0: Uh, I mean, I, I enjoyed a bit of Heartbreak High. It wasn't fully my vibe, but I watched a couple of eps.
1: I think Heartbreak High was the show that made people realise that Australian TV could be something other than Neighbours and Home and Away, right?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, this looks decent. Tim Roth, obviously, very, very good.
0: I'm just going to say, this is reminding me of another show Australian show that I think is phenomenal and I don't think it was very big here I can't remember how I found out about it but it's a kind of a crime what it is a crime series called Underbelly and each series was a big major crime in Australian history and there were six or seven so all completely self-contained in each series and then I think by the time we got to series six or seven I think it might have happened roughly the same time as one of the early series but separate enough but there was a little overlap in some of the characters i don't know where the hell you'd be able to see underbelly which is how the titles went but it was like a australian version of the wire and right. i thought it was really bloody good
1: maybe i'll see if i can have a little dig and see where underbelly is available for people to watch i have enjoyed recently obviously colin from accounts it's an australian show that i really enjoyed there was that news one as well wasn't there Not so long Mm -hmm. ago, the name of which I can't remember. Um, Newsreader? The Newsreader. I think so, right. Feels right. That was really good. So yeah, depending on how my timing goes, I might check out Last King of the Cross. Something I probably will check out, whilst I still have my Paramount Plus subscription, because there are only a couple of weeks left of Yellow Jackets. And I've got to say, there aren't that many compelling reasons for me to keep the old Paramount Plus. But No Escape comes out on the 18th of May. Uh, and this sees Abigail Laurie and Rianne Barretto play two best friends who seek refuge on a yacht in Southeast Asia based on the best-selling book, The Blue by Lucy Clark. I've had a little watch of the trailer of this, and it's definitely got uh, beach vibes to it.
0: So obviously I was I was absolutely enwrapped by what you were saying, Adam. I just wanted to let people know that Underbelly in the UK appears to be available on Amazon Prime. Five seasons of it are available on Amazon Prime and Sky Go. Is it
1: included in my Amazon Prime membership or have I got to pay a fee for it, Demo?
0: Well, let me just check that live for you. I'm opening up my Amazon Prime uh, account on my phone. Um, I'm just going to put it in the search bar underbelly and I can tell you categorically that it looks like, oh, no way. It's only included with Prime in the UK. You can watch 13 episodes of it. So I, I'm not sure what what that means, but I would highly, highly suggest giving that a watch, mate. Good,
1: good recommendation. Bonza.
0: Absolutely bonza, mate. Stick another shrimp on the Barbie. Famous. Browse bonza ripper you name it Peppa, like a flaming galah
1: <laughs> moving swiftly on then on the on the 19th of may speaking of the amazon or amazon as some people might call it on amazon Freevee. have you ever watched anything on amazon Freevee before demo uh
0: what is that
1: well i'm do you know what i don't really know but i assume it's free tv on amazon
0: My goodness me, how do they come up with such things?
1: It does make you wonder whether it's going to be any good, ultimately, just the fact that it's on Amazon Freebie. But let's give Primo, and certainly from the trailer, I feel like this might be a good show, but Primo is about a San Antonio teenager who's balancing his college aspirations, societal expectations and a hectic home life anchored by his single mum and five uncles.
0: Now, this is from Mike Schur, who's the exec producer on Parks and Rec, but I believe was also heavily involved in Brooklyn 9 and The Good Place.
1: There we go. So, tempted by this?
0: Yes, the moment I saw Mike share, I thought, I'm gonna give this a go.
1: Yeah, again, I watched the trailer for this and it does look like it's gonna be a lot of fun. This is perhaps the one on the list so far this week that I am most interested in checking out. Uh, but the other contender, demo, for me, partly because it's on Apple TV Plus, Mm -hmm. is High Desert, which comes out on the 17th of May, which I think is Wednesday. This is about uh, Peggy Newman, who's a woman with a chequered past, who makes the life-changing decision to become a private investigator following the death of her beloved mother, with whom she lived in the small town desert town of Yucca Valley, California. The Patricia Arquette, Matt Dillon, and Rupert Friend, and I believe has some involvement from the old Ben Stiller. Obviously, the Stiller-Arquette partnership we saw to good effect on Severance.
0: Ooh, friend!
1: (laughs) But yeah, I do think this looks like a lot of fun. The trailer for this shows Patricia Arquette having a fucking ball. It's a comedy slash comedy drama, I think. But yeah, I think she's going fucking nuts on this show and I'm in for it. Those two comedies this week are the ones I'm probably most drawn to in terms of what we might talk about next week on the watch list. But I'm open
0: to other suggestions. Is there anything on there that you're quite keen to watch? I mean, High Desert looks great. So does Primo. I mean, they all look pretty decent, don't they? They do. (laughs) Should we put right. it to the WhatsApp group
1: and see if anyone else has got a, a thought? But if not, I'm going to say I'm going to say Primo or High Desert, and we'll toss a coin, maybe.
0: Unbelievable! That's it. You're you're hearing this relatively live, listeners. This is behind the curtain the, the actual machinations of how the watch list works.
1: <laughs> I mean, usually, if I don't make a decision, then nobody fucking does. So. Um... <laughs>
0: <laughs> and because you're the podcast daddy we're all the kids
1: i just well you know it's not a it's not a what's the word when swan- rocktocracy yeah it's not a what rocktocracy not a rocktocracy <laughs> everyone's free to play their own tune and, and have their own thoughts and suggestions that's that's what i'm saying
0: yeah yeah sound
1: the final thing this week is that the second half of season two of Abbott Elementary, I didn't even realise there was a second half. I thought season two was done and dusted. Apparently not. There's more Abbott Elementary coming on the 17th of May. Uh, again, I think that's Wednesday on Disney+. Plus. And again, it's a big recommendation from me. Maybe I should make that a watch list for next week. Make everyone watch an episode of Abbott Elementary.
0: I mean, Riluka loves it.
1: And she has incredible
0: taste. Not in men, it seems. <laughs> should we move on to news? I think we should. I think that'd be a top idea.
1: It is a top idea because the new season, the final season, I believe, of Top Boy has been uh, given. Is it a release date yet? Or do we know just the month that it's coming out in?
0: I think it's just the month, right? Yes. Do you remember what
1: month that was? This is September. I'm going to have to check now. I thought it was maybe
0: July. Oh, gosh, that's very close if it is. Isn't it?
1: But we we talked with Grace about this, and potentially this may well be a featured show for us
0: in the future. Say nothing. Say less.
1: I mean, I caught up with Top Boy with the last season. I hadn't watched it before that, but given Grace and Damien's recommendation, binge-watched that and then caught up with the most recent season, and I can now reveal on the podcast that we are expecting Top Boy, the final season of Top Boy, to come out in September.
0: You're done though.
1: Uh, but we don't have an exact date yet, but very, very exciting news that is indeed. The other big thing that happened this week was the BAFTA Awards yesterday at the time of recording. So, I've not had a lot of time to digest this fully. I will admit there's definitely one that I'm a little bit disappointed by but others, I think, generally fairly well-deserved.
0: I had a look through. Some of them I thought were were fair enough. To be honest, a lot of these I actually had no idea about.
1: Dairy Girls were big winners. So Derry Girls won, I think, Best Comedy Programme, and Siobhan McSweeney won Best Female Performance in a Comedy Programme, and I think that's all totally and utterly well-deserved. The Traitors were also big winners for Reality and Constructive Factual, and Claudia Winkleman, and I think that was all expected. The one that I want... or male performance in a comedy programme is actually a show that I haven't seen, is Am I Being Unreasonable? Lenny Rush won for that, and and it has been on my list for a while, but maybe now I will finally pick that up.
0: Yeah, so I've watched it, and so has Chloe. Yeah, he is very good in it. He's not in it very much, to be honest, but he's really good. Uh,
1: Supporting actress Anne-Marie Duff in Bad Sisters... I'm um, such a strong, strong category that one, but totally and utterly deserved. She, especially in that final episode of Bad Sisters, she's phenomenal in that. So that was always really pleasing to see. And I think Bad Sisters won also won best drama. So if you haven't yet watched Bad Sisters, do check it out. It's really, really fucking good. Uh, single drama. There was a lot of love for I Am Ruth, which is something that I haven't seen. I think Kate Winslet won best actress for that, and it also won single drama. But, yeah, not a show that I have seen. Now, this is the one that I have problems with because International Show didn't go to the bear, didn't go to Pachinko, didn't go to Wednesday or the white fucking Lotus. It went to Dharma, Monster the Jeffrey Dharma Show story.
0: Uh, The thing I don't know, and and obviously this has probably been explained a million times, how is Bad Sisters not International? It's Uh, an Irish show, right?
1: Yeah, I don't know whether it was... I don't know. I don't know the BAFTA rules. I think when we talked about the Oscars, it was because we talked about Banshees of finished sharing, didn't we? And it was... Was it the Oscars or something else? I can't remember. Maybe it was the BAFTAs that it was partly made by Channel 4 or something. That was what... Yeah,
0: yeah. I, wa- I did wonder if it was maybe that.
1: I think three of those four that I mentioned were in my top 10 of last year. <laughs> I didn't... To be fair, I haven't watched Dharma, Monster, the Jeffrey Dharma story, but it's... Loaded with controversy, and I've heard negative things about it. I'm just stunned that it's been those other shows anyway.
0: On to more positive stuff. The one award that I was very happy with, although there are great people in it, in the category Supporting Actor went to Adil Akhtar in Sherwood, and I do think he is brilliant. I mean, I think Adil Akhtar is brilliant in everything he's in. But, you know, you got Josh Finnan from The Responder, Jack Loudon from Slow Horses that I wasn't that enamoured by, but I know you enjoy it. Will Sharp in The White Lotus is also very good. Um, I can't speak for the other two in the category, but Adil is so good in Sherwood and it's great to see him get an award because I occasionally think to that whole section that leads to him just making a terrible life decision. All the time. Whenever I think, "Oh, am I connected to a wireless speaker?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he is phenomenal in show, and I think, and and also, I mean, he's in Sweet Tooth. He does such a good job in that show as well. He's so good in everything that he does. You're you're right. You mentioned Slow Horses. A piece of news that we've had on the list for a long time and not mentioned is that Hugo Weaving is joining the Slow Horses cast for season four is very, very exciting. Big fan of his as well. I just wanted to talk quickly about the miniseries because I'd watched three of the four of the nominees for this and the winner was the one that I hadn't watched. So if anyone has seen Mood and wants to give me a little recommendation for that show uh, or tell me what it's about, I mean, I can Google and find out what it's about, I imagine. But yeah, it's always nice to get a recommendation. Uh, it definitely passed me by. I don't remember it coming out anywhere. So I will have a little dig and find out more about that.
0: Yeah, another uh hotly contested category was leading actor. Yeah, Taryn Edgerton from Blackbird. I mean he's not my favorite from uh Blackbird. Obviously there's someone who gave a better performance. But you've got Martin Freeman from Responder who was brilliant. Gary Oldman from what I've seen brilliant in ho- slow horses uh, Killian Murphy in Piggy Blinders I mean I, I was almost rendered speechless just saying his name then he's so good I haven't seen the English so I can't speak Chasky Spencer but I think both you and Grace watch the English
1: yeah he's superb he's so good in that I, I mean I think he was always going kind to of struggle in the category with such brilliant performances in it but he's deserving of his nomination definitely
0: yeah and then the winner was Ben Wishaw for This Is Going To Hurt I which I think it's fair enough. I don't think anyone's going to argue that it's uh, certainly the episode in which we talk about this is going to hurt it is it seems to be regularly listened by people all the time. You know, we did that a while ago and occasionally we see there's been a couple of listens to it randomly.
1: And we didn't even talk about it for that long. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one of those shows that people are obviously discovering it different different points um and it's had good word of mouth but yeah I, I don't know I think Ben Whishaw and Kate Winslet as, as the winners fairly fairly predictable and standard and that's you know the reason for that is that they are really fucking good at what they do mm-hmm. do we need to mention the p and Cruises memorable moment which
0: was Paddington meeting the Queen I mean what <laughs> that's that's not serious is it so you've got You've got The Derry Girls, the finale, where the people of Northern Ireland vote overwhelmingly for peace. You've got Heartstopper, Nick and Charlie's first kiss. Stranger Things, Max is rescued from the demonic Vecna by playing her favourite song. I mean, there are words, but in that order doesn't necessarily mean much to me. Uh, the real Mo Farah, sorry, Sir Mo Farah reveals that he was illegally trafficked to the UK and the final roundtable of the traitors, I'll leave for Adam to speak about, but... The winner is Paddington meets the Queen.
1: Well, I mean, it could not be, right? Definitely the Stranger Things moment is probably one of the best TV moments of that year. hundred mm-hmm. percent. I haven't seen Heartstopper yet, although I am planning on catching up on that. And Derry Girls was such a glorious finale. we talked about it before, but Orla's moment at the beginning of the final episode of Derry Girls was, again, one of the most joyous moments, I think, on TV. But yeah, it, it was never going to be anything other. Some more serious TV news to move on to than these frivolous awards given out by the BAFTAs uh, is that there's a writer's strike currently happening in the United States of America. So there's a a gap, shall we say, between what the writers are looking for and what the studios are prepared to give them. So they are currently on strike. I know that uh, Tony Gilroy has said that he's not currently working on Andor Season 2. He has stopped working on that in support of the writer's strike. Andor what? And or you know doing something else with his time I guess but um <laughs> George R R Martin has also spoken out against the mini writers rooms that have cropped up
0: I'm sorry but George R Martin can't talk to anyone about fucking writing how long have we been waiting for the final book of a song of ice and fire
1: I did read somewhere that he just it's just logistically impossible for him to finish because he can't Reconcile the timeline with all of the characters and the stories that he's let grow out of his imagination. I don't think they will ever come, those final books of that Game of Thrones series, ever.
0: No. Also, has been seen, our good friend Bob Odenkirk has been seen at the Picket talking about it. You know, people are saying that these streaming platforms and TV companies, you know, make millions and billions, and some people who are working five, six, seven days a week in a writers' room are barely able to pay their rent. That's the discrepancy. They're asking for a two to three percent rise, I think, in pay, which is still probably well below being in line with inflation, and of course. Those at the top do not want to give the extra bunts.
1: And it doesn't feel like there's much movement happening at the moment. I don't fully understand the, the mini writer's room storyline but I think it is basically that the writers are being asked to come in to create a pilot essentially and then the once the pilot's been created or, or once the idea has been formed they're they're given an episode each to work on individually and then the showrunner will then pull the sort of different strands together but one of the demands I think is that there are a minimum number of writers involved in a, a writer's room. I mean certainly in this country we have shows that are solely written by one person that writer's room aren't such a big thing but I think in in the States it's much more of a standard thing to have a writer's room.
0: Yeah I think is it my family had a writer's room in it and that was quite groundbreaking for British TV that that, that, that there was a writer's room writing a kind of family sitcom. It's interesting like you said that for those shows that are kind of written by one person they are nearly or not always but very common that those would be ideas from people in this side of the Atlantic going over there and writing or well, mostly writing a series. And then as it gets commissioned for a second series and a third series and those writers decide they want to do something else, it ends up becoming like a little room. Speaking of British
1: TV, then coming a bit close to home, a couple of ITV shows have been announced. Ace Batty, friend of the podcast. Uh, It's going to be in comedy drama, The Effects of Lying. And there's going to be an Alan Carr sitcom called Changing
0: Ends. I heard Ace Batty's character is called H. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Big cut for the uh, Line of Duty fans there.
1: The other one I wanted to pull out here was that Lockwood & Co has been cancelled by Netflix's Algorithm, which I think is a big, big shame. Again, I don't think it was a perfect show, but I thought it was... Good I thought it deserved to have a second season. There was some good world building in there. Big fan of Joe Cornish. Shame to see that one biting the dust. The other one that I'm quite excited about, Pokerface, Damien. Do you know much about Pokerface? It's a
0: song by Lady Gaga.
1: It's also a show by uh well it's starring Natasha Lyonne. Is it Ryan Murphy? Is that how I want to say? Is he behind it?
0: Is this in the same world as um Benoit Blanc?
1: No, it's Ryan Johnson. I've got my Ryan's mixed up. Created by Ryan Johnson. Pokerface has been out in the US since January of this year and is finally coming to the UK on May the 26th. It's going to be on Sky and Now TV. It's had rave reviews in the States and it's been on my watch list uh, since the beginning of the year, but I've not been able to watch it. Fair enough. It's a, a crime drama TV series, it's kind of like a case of the week murder style thing so sort of an anthology but with natasha leone's character charlie kale being the through line of it all
0: well i mean if she's anywhere near as good as she is in russian doll it'll be a must watch absolutely i mean the, the only thing i have left to say is oh damn you god damn you all to hell you blew it up because there's a planet of the apes tv show coming
1: i i clearly because i didn't get your reference I don't think I've ever
0: really watched any
1: Planet of the Apes.
0: It's hard, right, because Charlton Heston is an absolute reprehensible gun nut. But, I mean, it it is what it is, man. It's a classic. The original Planet of the Apes is a classic B-movie nonsense that you just have to not think too hard about and it'll be okay. The second wave of films with Mark Wahlberg and Helena Bonham Carter monkeyed up, I'm not so sure about. And then this new one, well, new, it's not that new, but the rise of the dawn of the beginning of the start of the first day of the planets of the apes or whatever happens, I'd say that's a real mixed bag. I think the first one in that trilogy was okay. The second one was not brilliant, even though infamously I went on my third date with Raluca to see that film. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I couldn't bring myself to watch the whatever ridiculously titled third one
1: it was. Yeah, I don't really know why I've never watched any of them because you know I do like I do like my sci-fi and stuff like that. So maybe the new TV show will be what finally gets me on the uh, on the ape train. Some sci-fi. B- <laughs> oh,
0: sake! I can't believe this monkey! I can't believe this monkeying about from you,
1: Adam. Maybe it will be what bounces me on the ape knee.
0: Bounces you on the ape knee. Oh my god oh god
1: there is there is some sci-fi that i'm excited about though and that's season two of foundation we had a trailer for that that's out now and a release date 14th of july neil and i both really enjoyed foundation season one on apple tv plus so yeah very much looking forward to that show coming back i think we should leave it there shall we i think we've covered quite a lot we have indeed uh it's been a pleasure as always damai
0: likewise
1: Adam so we'll be back next week either talking about Primo or High Desert or something else that's coming out next week uh, we'll be confirming via the WhatsApp you'll just have to tune in and find out if you want to you could maybe follow us on our social media we might announce it there we are at TVDNA Pod on all good platforms or you can email tvdnapod at gmail.com personally requesting to know what we're watching next week, and we'll we'll reply to that. Do engage with our Spotify polls if you listen on that platform, and give us a five-star rating and review
0: if you can. Thanks for listening. Bye. Um. And my my mind has gone blank now about who else is in it. Shit, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the old script where Top Boy was the first one. <laughs> We can talk about Top Boy if you want. That's that's why I said it was a top idea. Never mind. Okay.
1: Well, then we're, let's go back.